Hi guys, I'm Daniel Hanbeli, and this is something to consider. Before I start this episode, I want to thank you so much for the privilege of your time. I'm so humbled by your positive support of this show and appreciate all the love that you've been putting out there for the content. That being said, all of you that are subscribing and following, I want you to know that you are helping me so much in terms of growing this platform and truly I am indebted to you guys. So thank you. The next request would be to just like, comment, or share the episode if you did enjoy it, of course. It's the rules that have been set by the algorithm that we must abide by. So your help on this would be very much appreciated. I recently put up a poll asking for insights on topics to consider, and I came across a comment I get quite a lot in my field of business. And it was, how do we stand out in a sea of imitators, copycats, or cheats in the creative industry? And it inspired today's consideration. Not because I necessarily feel like I'm surrounded by people who copy or cheat, but because usually the collateral damage of that type of thinking or fear tends to be one's own ability to remain grounded in their own self-belief of what they have to offer and belief in their own authenticity. There's a quote that comes to mind as I start to think about this, and I'm not sure who it's attributed to, but it goes something like this. Enthusiasm is common, but endurance is rare. You know, studies show that almost 20% of entrepreneurs fail within their first year of business. By their second year, 30% of businesses. And by their fifth year, almost 50% of businesses do not make it. In the movie-making world, the Screenwriters Guild gets over 50,000 scripts and ideas. About 150 of them actually get produced. That's literally 0.3%. It takes more than copying an idea to actually make it. And I believe that to be true in any industry. Look at the food delivery app industry. It is a $100 billion industry filled with copied models. And it would be so naive to think that the competitors didn't have access to each other's confidential data of revenue and sales. It happens everywhere. Doesn't make it right, but it does happen. It isn't unique to the most creative or the smartest or the hardest working people, but not everyone has what it takes to keep going. And that is the difference. And when it comes to endurance or one's own ability to keep moving forward, I really think that this is true when it comes to people who use existing ideas as a stepping stone to promote the exact same output versus using an idea to inspire something new. I think history has already shown us that everything at some point or another is borrowed or used to inspire someone else's growth, development, and in some cases, innovation or even a business idea. And I don't think that's exactly a bad thing, if I'm being honest. I think that it's part of the beauty of being part of a collective, part of a broader society. It's just what happens. Ideas and thoughts evolve. Everything evolves. And it should improve which implies that it had to start somewhere. It had to start with a thought or an idea that someone else had. And if that idea inspires an improvement of some sort or somehow ups the game for the industry, then the pivot becomes to challenge others, including yourself, to up their game. This kind of thinking, I believe, really stems from a mindset of abundance versus scarcity. To worry that you are only as good as that one idea an idea that someone could potentially emulate comes from a space of scarcity, that for me to succeed at what I do, you cannot succeed. 
And to get stuck in the thought of sole ownership of something, like an idea, sometimes has a tendency to limit your own vision for your own potential. It hurts you more than it affects them. Now, I want to put a disclaimer here that there is a significant difference between standing out in a sea of people who copy or evolving your ideas and blatant copyright infringement of your work and using that to make profit and take credit. In today's consideration, I'm referring to the former. To put it simply, it's authenticity. Staying true to your belief in yourself and what you have to offer, your value, and what you bring to the table is more than just the idea itself. It is this thinking that has actually helped me the most in life. You see, I work in the service industry. I always have. Contrary to providing a product, a tangible object that you can touch, hold, smell, services don't necessarily have a tactical way of defining their worth. It can sometimes be super subjective and results in a lot of back and forth when it comes to convincing anyone of its value. In many cases, it is intangible. It is an idea, a story, a strategy, a plan, a consultation, or in today's advanced world, a unique experience that would need to be implemented or produced or felt to truly visibly see that value. And this is where things get tricky, but also more exciting because it forces you to get more creative in developing ways to stand out. I spoke about this a little bit in episode three of the show about how everything in life is a pitch. And while many will view it as a cheap sales technique or tactic, it's actually an art. How many times have you been in a situation where you've left a job you're in for whatever reason and secretly taken work that you had worked on to use as stimulus for future projects in that new job? Think about it. Whether it was a pitch deck, a research deck, a cost sheet, Whatever the resource, you take it with you to your new job thinking that it will provide you with some sort of a competitive advantage as a new hire in that new company. So many people do it. And it's insane how everyone has access to each other's information. Even today, like the amount of times I hear people using it just shocks me. And aside from it being extremely unethical in my view, especially after being a business owner myself, I see it as very wrong. Think about how many times those decks have been used in that new job. I have yet to see a situation where an idea taken from a source and reused to provide value to another brand, client, or business actually works. I find that there is always a moment where I question the relevance or the insight that it was drawn from. In my experience, it just doesn't work. And when I see that happen, it doesn't come across as successful, unique, or even resonates with people. It comes off as cheap, almost always. In my first company, a big debate my business partner and I used to have was around the confidentiality of our external documentation. Things like our pitches, our process, our ideas, our intellectual property. We knew that in our ultra-connected market and limitless access to WhatsApp groups, that the chances of our work getting shared and passed around without our consent or knowledge was probably quite high. Ethics, unfortunately, is something that is not common practice, especially in a world filled with insecurity. And that is truly what it is. Insecurity in one's own ability to produce, think, and create, and sometimes even question. So copying, imitating, reusing, recycling, 
is the natural easiest option. Anyways, my response to my partner when we had these types of conversations were always the same. And to be honest, I don't know why I always was so confident in this mindset, but it was just something I always firmly believed. There is nothing that could be put out there in terms of our work, our process, our USP that would work as effectively or successfully without the most important ingredient, which in the case of BD and Dane was us individually and as partners. In fact, it was a, our entire team. We were the secret sauce that made the ideas, strategies, campaigns different, and that could not be matched. It could not be replicated by the laziness of those that would just choose to copy. And I'm sure that there were people who did copy. We saw some of them come to life as ideas or campaigns, and others in the rhetoric of how competitive businesses presented their own businesses to the market. But even in those situations, it did not bring us down. Because, and I'm going to speak for myself on this one, I had an unwavering belief in what value I brought to the table. And I say that with complete humility. Maybe this stems from the way that I was raised. Maybe it stems from my experiences of working with different people and living in different places. I don't know. Maybe it was a survival mechanism that really strengthened my resolve as to how I even approach something like this. It doesn't mean that I don't have my insecurities or flaws or even limiting beliefs. But when it came to my work and the value I knew I could bring, it was never an issue. It was never even a question. I know my worth and I know how far I'm willing to go to evolve, improve, and in some cases, even challenge what I have to offer. And that is really where the magic starts to happen. Because when the biggest problem in my business becomes the saturation of a specific offer, it in turn challenges me to figure out how I'm going to stay on top of my game and grow. What's my pivot going to be? Because I, like any creative, any writer, any strategist, do get bored. I need to find meaning in what I do for me to like what I do. It's just the way that I was built. So in these instances of frustration of things that are truly not within my control, it becomes an indication that I need to take a step backward and pivot. And it is almost always for the better. Even on the days where the pivot proves to be garbage and a complete wrong move, I know that it ends up being growth. And it's interesting because it reminds me of the experience of starting my career in the creative industry, when digital was still a word that you would need to look up online. Terms like fully integrated, 360 degrees, ROI, SEM, were all words that we assumed we wouldn't even need to care about in the space of branding and advertising. And it was the large corporates that chose to stay in their lanes of what made them famous for decades that actually got left behind because they refused to acknowledge that even the most creative, the most successful businesses are just as vulnerable to change as the rest of us. They are just as likely to need to be pushed to pivot as the rest of us. And it is just as likely and probably more detrimental to suffer the consequences of not changing and relying on superficial things like, we were first, we are the largest, we have the biggest budgets, we have the largest audiences. Well, no one cares that you are first. People will remember the ones who are still standing. Bigger does not always mean better. It just means bigger. Budgets fluctuate and bring with it more bureaucracy and longer decision-making. Audiences, they can be bought. 
Loyalty comes from offering something much more. There was a poster we had hanging up in my mom's office at home growing up. It was a picture of a Dalmatian dog sitting amongst a litter of cats uh, that were white with black spots all over them. The quote above them was written in these like bold letters. It said, in a world full of copycats, be an original. So in an attempt to build more endurance and maintain your pace of authenticity, these are the learnings that I have followed. Some I've learned the hard way, others the fun way. It's important to note that the hard way turned out to be more worthwhile in the long run. One, don't become a prisoner of your past. There is a saying that you're only as good as your next great idea. And while that's a great way to stay focused and motivated, what I mean here is that sometimes being good or successful at something can become a curse because it's easy to get stuck in the comfort of success, especially when combined with admiration and praise. Don't focus on what you've achieved or done in the past. Celebrate it for sure, but the direction to be looking is forward. It is a you against you game always. You have the capacity to do incredible things, not necessarily in scale, but in impact. Move towards a purpose, not a product. Two, it is not a zero sum game. In business, just as in life, there is literally room for everyone to play and everyone to win. We don't all need to become Bill Gates, but we all have the opportunity to do so. Opportunity rests in the hands of those who leave themselves open to it. Stop looking left and right. Your mirror is your motivation. There is enough for everyone. Someone's gain is not your loss. People having doesn't need to be at the expense of you not having. And to think so comes from a place of insecurity and doubt that is really just a waste of time in the long run and toxic in the short run. We can see the effects of this type of thinking on society and compare the productivity and happiness rates in countries. A mindset of scarcity brings out the worst in people. Let it go. Three, if you are constantly looking for the worst in people, you will most definitely only see the worst in people. It is not the world's job to convince you to trust them. It is on you to make a choice of staying open to the possibility of what people have to offer, what you can learn from them and work from there. It won't always work out in your favor. I've been bit a few times and I'm not good at trusting people. It's still something that I'm figuring out how to work on even till today. But this learning actually came from an observation from my friend, Darren. I was upset because of a criticism I received that had to do with something that I couldn't control about myself. I was hurt and found myself sharing this experience with him. The comment didn't hurt me as much as the idea of someone being cruel enough to make such an unnecessary judgment. And he asked me a very simple question. He asked, Dana, why are you so convinced that this person's comment came from a place of ill intention? My immediate response was to jump to the defense that I actually don't care what they think about me. I'm just annoyed that this cruelty exists and was projected when it had nothing to do with me and everything to do with them. And he said, yes, but why is your assumption that they meant to be cruel? Why couldn't this comment be something that may have been said with good intentions, but from a place where they are in their own lives? They spoke from their own experience, possibly their own insecurity, their own issues, in a way that felt 
made sense from their lens, from their own world. When he said this, I literally sat back and, and really thought about it. And it's true. Why am I assuming it was said with the intention to hurt me? It may have been intended to hurt me, by the way. I mean, I'm not completely dismissing that. But I wouldn't really know unless I was to speak to them and understand more, right? And to be honest, it was a powerful revelation and I'm very grateful for it. It really changed the way that I started to receive comments from people for protecting yourself or shielding yourself in an attempt not to be burned robs people of really important lessons. It is okay not to be okay with something. Even with all the positive mindset talk I'm trying to focus on in this episode, the intention isn't to deny how I feel about something. It is to give myself permission to feel it and find a way to move past it without it becoming resentment or an excuse for not progressing. I'm a big believer in boundaries, but it's important to consider that they don't just keep people out, they also do fence you in. It limits your growth. And to live in fear of being screwed over in an attempt to play it smart is just dumb in the long run. It prolongs the inevitable hard lessons I need to learn and become the best version of myself and what I offer to the world. Five, don't become a victim of your own circumstance. And I think this stems from the previous point I made, but it's an important one. Authenticity comes from an awareness of oneself, an ability to express that in our own vulnerability and our acceptance of ourselves on all levels. Don't become a prisoner of your past mistakes. It was a lesson, not a life sentence. And I do not believe in comparing experiences with others. We all have our own traumas, hurt moments, stories, etc., but they do not define you. And the minute you decide that they do, you lose. Not the world, not the business, you lose. So stop yourself and be aware of the story that you're telling yourself. Six, engage with everyone and everything. Actively interact with your family, friends, lovers, kids, audience, in real life and through social media. Respond to feedback and criticism, address questions, and incorporate their suggestions. Building a community around you that will help you stand out because sometimes genius is waiting to erupt out of you. You just need the right people to help you erupt it. Seven, embrace originality and what truly makes you different. The more you rely on what already works for you and for the industry or what is already known, the longer you stay in the cycle of never really solving real problems or doing really great big things. You'll eventually become irrelevant. Look for fresh angles, untold stories, unique formats, and get reflective within yourself and figure out what makes you different and amplify the shit out of that to like the millionth degree. It is truly what resonates with people. It is what you will be remembered for. Eight, be ethical. I know it's hard in a world that doesn't always play fair, but Upholding high ethical standards in your work is super important. Avoid being deceptive, misleading people with information, letting resentment, greed, or laziness and insecurity dictate major decisions or unethical behavior. 
honesty, integrity, and transparency will help you build trust with everyone you meet and differentiate you for life. You may not reap the benefits immediately, but I am a firm believer that you will eventually. Nine, the learning and improvement does not stop. Invest in your professional development by attending workshops, conferences, and online courses. By constantly evolving and improving your skills, you can stay ahead of the curve and offer unique perspectives. And this is something that really stood out for me in my recent move. I find that every senior person I meet in any organization, whether executive, CEO, or director, are all either attending executive education programs, hiring coaches or consultants, working with advisors, all in an attempt to stay ahead of the game. And it is such a humbling practice. If you're a creative or a writer, surround yourself with a community of people who will help you up your game. 10. Embrace niche markets. Now, this has been a strategy of mine since I became an entrepreneur. And I get questioned about it a lot because the assumption is that niche doesn't always bring in sexy revenue and profit. I've found that niche markets rewards are much more long-term when I'm in the process of building something. They are more receptive to changes and willing to take risks, as well as trusting in the process. They have less to lose, meaning they will invest in trying something new in an attempt to actually stand out. So our values are very much aligned. And there's probably an opportunity to position yourself as a valuable resource within a specific area of expertise. Last but not least, and this goes without saying, but just in case, do protect your work from unauthorized use. Do your due diligence as well. You can't leave everything up to, inshallah, and the good intentions of mankind. Take legal action if you come across instances of plagiarism or copyright infringement. Sometimes your loss or mistake can set up precedents that change and help an industry or a group of people in a massive way. Safeguarding and fighting for your IP helps maintain your reputation and reinforces your commitment to originality. I know I said a lot. I hope you find it helpful. These are lessons that have come from my own reflections that are still an ongoing process of actually being implemented. I'm in no way done in terms of my journey at perfecting this. Uh, I try to get better every day. I try to stay more authentic to myself and true to what it is that I have to offer. But I am proud to say that even with my insecurities, my belief in myself and what I know I can bring to the table has not changed. It may have been bruised a bit. Self-doubt and resentment does sometimes control the narrative in my head, but it hasn't changed me in the long term. And for that, I'm grateful. Standing out in a sea of competition is not an overnight process. It requires courage, work, and commitment. It is all about endurance. And that is why vision is so important. It isn't just a statement you put on a website or a quote on a post-it or something. Stay true to your vision. Keep refining your craft and eventually your unique contributions will be recognized. In the meantime... I hope you found something to consider.